Good morning. Good morning. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. And uh, with a little bit of snow that we're having here in Wisconsin, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Anybody? No? They said 41 days until Christmas. Man, I love it. That means 41 days from now until the end of the year we get to eat. Amen? <laughs> right? And no? You know, anyone else? I know I chose to wear plaid today because I'm just going to be bold and I'm going to be proud. And I was at the gym yesterday and it says, main, it was a whole slogan, maintain, don't gain. And I was felt a little convicted and then I just went right on, right? Um, so anyhow, I, I don't know if I'll be helpful to you during the holiday season if you're trying to maintain. To help you gain, I will definitely be a blessing to you in your life, in your ministry. And all you skinny people who don't worry about that, we don't even want to hear from you. Amen. All right. If you're skinny, please, I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm really not, but I'll see you in the lobby or whatever, and we'll get it over with, okay? But can you join with me at the Germantown campus to welcome our Appleton campus today, our Brookfield campus today, our Milwaukee campus today, online campus? Wherever you're joining us from today, we're delighted and honored that you're here, that you're a part. We are one church, multiple locations, and God's just doing some great things at all of these campuses and all that's going on. And it's really cool to see how God is using all of this to come together to glorify him and people are coming to faith in Jesus and people are being baptized at every campus and it's just, it's just great. And uh, I believe nothing works like the local church works when a local church works the way a local church is designed to work. And you, Life Church, are just a great, great, great church and you do that so very well. So uh, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me today to Luke's Gospel chapter 6, Luke chapter 6. We're going to go to two verses. I'm going to give you some different verses throughout today if you're taking notes to get some other references. But I want to look at two verses. It's some statements that Jesus made. It's in the Sermon on the Mount as we began this brand new series called Economic Atheist. Now, we had a debate this week whether it was economic atheist or economic atheist. And when I said economic atheist, uh, one of the Minnesotans in the room, maybe this is because he's from Minnesota, I don't know, but... That was a really good time for you Wisconsin people who do not like the Vikings just to go, amen. They can't even get their grammar right. Okay, anyhow, so, but said, I've never heard anybody call it economics. I said, well, that is a way you can pronounce it. So, of course, we had to go to what, if you ever have to settle any kind of dispute, you go to Google, right? That's, that's scary, but that's what we did. And so the British version is economics. So I felt a little bit more astute, a little bit more like, yes. Yeah, I did do a small stint at Oxford, but, 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 but he said it was economic. So ever how you say it, it's kind of like I'm from the South. When I say the word naked, everybody just laughs because it's just funny. So I hope it's going to come out economics because that's the way I say it. But, but the English, the American version is economics, which again, take it how you want to take it. But, but we're talking about economic, economic atheist. And what is that? It's this, it's people who believe in God and trust him in everything in their life except with their money. It's people who believe in God in every area of their life except when it comes to their money. This is not my place to judge you. The passage is gonna be really clear on this today, but it's your place to evaluate the question, am I an economic or economic atheist? Am I someone who verbally espouses? Man, I trust God with, the, with, with the, you know, my life. I've, I've asked him into my heart. I've asked him into my life. I've asked him to be my Lord. I've asked him to be my Savior. Uh, I, man, if I have a need, I, I go and I pray. And I, I want my kids to follow. I want my kids to be baptized. I want my kids to, to be raised in the fear of the admonition of Jesus. I want my kids to be in church. I want, but 
But when it shows up in your finances, and when it shows up in the economy scale of your life, no one could ever really believe that you really trust and believe in God. Jesus confronts this. Matter of fact, Jesus talks about money and giving more than he talks about spiritual virtues like prayer. And if you don't believe me, look at the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's all there. He talks more about this, and, 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 and he confronts this biblical, this, this biblical principle. And, and the reality is it doesn't naturally make sense, but supernaturally it works every single time. That's what I want to begin to unpack this week and the next several weeks as we go through. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 6, verse number 37, Jesus says this, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is right in the middle of the only full recorded sermon that we have of Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount. Before this, there's the Beatitudes. After this, he's going to talk about prayer. It, it, it's, it's right in the middle of all this that he makes some very, very, very straightforward statements. And predominantly about giving. You go, hey, hey, but I heard about judgment. I heard about condemnation. I heard about forgiveness. Yeah, you did. And we're going to unpack that. It's all connected. The first statement, if you were taking notes at all, I want you to get is that Jesus teaches that we receive according to what we give. We receive according to what we give. When we say give, especially in American culture, we think money automatically. But it's more than that. Jesus unpacks it here. Look back at verse number 37. He says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you'll not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given unto you. It doesn't really matter. It's what's called the law of the harvest. Go all the way back to, to the book of Genesis. Jesus, God says there, as long as the earth shall endure, there'll be seed, time, and harvest. When, when, when God destroys the earth and covers it with the flood, Noah and the ark, and when the waters recede day by day and inch by inch, and finally there's dry ground, and then Noah and his family get off the ark with two by two and they, they go to repopulate the earth. And Noah, he, he has an altar before God right then and there. Again, it says, God's word says that as long as this earth shall endure, there will be seed, there will be time, there will be harvest. We go all the way to the New Testament and this principle does not cease. Matter of fact, in the book of Galatians, Paul will write to the church in Galatians and say, hey man, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. The law of the harvest is that you reap what you sow. Jesus is speaking here. If you reap, if you sow judgment, that's what you're going to reap in your life. If you sow condemnation, that's what you're going to reap in your life. If you sow forgiveness, that's what you're going to reap in your life. If you give of yourself, of your time, your talent, your treasure, if you give, then it's going to be given to you. Whatever it is that you sow in your life, that's what you're going to reap. It's the law of the harvest. And all over the Bible, it talks about this. You find examples that how God blesses us when we give. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine and 10, it says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be busting with wine. 
Again, I didn't write this. It's just the Bible. Don't email me. Email God at God at Hotmail.com. Amen? <laughs> Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says, The one who gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another one withholds, he's stingy, and what, she, what he should give, and he only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and the one who waters himself will be watered. Paul will say this to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You reap what you sow. So what are you sowing in your life? Are you sowing condemnation? Are you sowing discord? Are you stingily, that's not even a word, I just made that up, <laughs> sowing, giving? Are, 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 you, are, you, are you sowing forgiveness and kindness? What, what, we're all sowing something every day of our life. We're, we're doing something, our actions, our, 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 our attitudes, what, what we do with our time and our talent and our treasure. We're, we're investing in something. We're, we're, we're investing in a larger body because we just keep eating that bag of Doritos. Amen, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. We're, we're investing in a better future when we're spending time on that treadmill, even though we hate it. We're, we're, we're investing in our future when we put back into a 401k or a pension plan or, or a Roth IRA or what we just save. We cut the credit cards up. We, 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 we sow into a really bad future and we just swipe our way to happiness, right? We just take those credit cards out. Now you have to insert the chip so the swipe thing doesn't work as well. But you get what I'm saying. You, you, what are you doing with your life? Where are you spending your life? What, what are you, because wherever you spend it, wherever you sow it, whatever you invest it, that's what you're going to get. I have people sometimes will say, you know, man, I just don't have any friends. And I go, well, the Bible says if you want to have friends, you must first show yourself friendly. This has always been my case in life. Okay, then I can just probably tell you pretty deductively without having much more of a conversation, you're probably not a real friendly fellow. You know what I'm saying? It's, you ever been around people like that? Nobody around me is ever very happy. They're always just sad, gloom, and despair and well what do you think about well man life's just tough and it's just hard and it's just well I can tell you why everybody has a bad attitude about you because that's what you're sowing that's what you're that's what you're you're doing that's what you're and you go are you just like is this like cerebral to you Aaron is this like some pie in the sky kind of name it claim it blab it no 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 no. it's not that at all it's just the Bible's very clear whatever I spend my life and I invest my life and I sow into that's what I'm going to reap and if I'm a person of kindness, I'm going to reap kindness. If I'm a person with a good attitude, I'm going to reap good, good attitudes around me. If I'm going to help people, then when I'm in need, I'm going to be helped. It's just the law of the harvest. You can gripe it. You can get mad at it. You can get upset with it. You can think I'm trying to control you or manipulate. It's just right there. It is. And we don't ever give to get, but we freely give without fear, knowing that we will never have less than what we need. I want you to catch that. This is not about a, I'm giving or I'm sowing so that I get something. But the world says that when I sow, when I give, when, when I give you of my time, when I give you my talent, when I give you my treasure, when I invest in someone else, it, it's, it's, it's gonna be bad for me. It's the what's in it for me question. It's what's the ROI for me question. Is, is it hitting my personal key indicator, performance indicators, my KPI for myself or for my business or for whatever it is? Is it, is it hitting those markers? 
And the truth of the matter is, is that what God's word says is this isn't about a give to get, but it is about understanding that I don't have to give worrying if I'm gonna be taken care of, worrying if God's gonna see, worrying if, if, if I'm gonna be in need. No, the Bible says that when I, when I give generously with my time and my talent and my treasure, then I'm also gonna reap that way. I don't have to worry. It's like this, I, I, I be, I'm around business people that are this way. I, I'm around people that don't have anything that are this way. And it's like life is a pie and I have to beat you to get my piece of the pie. And I go, no, that's not biblical. That's a secular worldview. The secular worldview says it's a dog eat dog world. There's one pile, there's one mountain. You've got to be the king of the mountain. And in order to be the king, in order to have the biggest slice of pie, I've got to do away with you. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's like a Krispy Kreme donut line. You know what I'm talking about? There's plenty. There's plenty. Just hang on. Don't, don't fight. Don't, it's, they're, they're on the, do you not see the conveyor belt? Do you, do you not see the glaze? That's the sweet nectar of heaven. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's, it, there's plenty. There, you're, you're, we're like toddlers just fighting over stuff. When God says, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm a God who has no beginning and has no ending. I'm endless. I, I'm limitless. I, 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 I'm never limited by time or by space. Even the construct of time is something that you came up with so that you could do it because a day in your life is as a thousand years with me and a thousand years with you is as a day in my world. I, I'm not bound by your dimensions of time and space. I, 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 I am I am all, everything. I, there, there is no beginning. There is no end to my supply. Therefore, there is no pie. It's just the conveyor belt of God's goodness and of his grace and of his mercy that's every single day, that's new and fresh every single day. I will take care of you. I will lead you. If you'll just trust me, whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Second statement is that we receive more than we give. Always, this is how God works. We receive more than we give. You cannot outgive God. Go back to verse number 38. With good measure, this is how he said, if you give, it'll be given to you. With good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, we poured into your lap. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, we poured into your lap. Now I can tell you what they're talking about there. It's like grain, it's like having a sack. And the grain comes in and they pour it in so that with good measure, so you pour it in. And then you, and then, and then press down so that you press it down. It's kind of like when you're doing leaves in the lawn in the fall, right? You're pressing it down. You're getting all you can get into that. And, and, and then, and then you're going to shake it together, right? And you're going to press down some more. You're going to shake it. Then you're going to press down some more. And then it's going to run over. That's how God's going to give back to you. I like to think of it like this. Everything's food analogies today. I'm so sorry. I love ice cream. I love ice cream cones. It's my favorite way to eat ice cream. I'm a big kid. Uh, I keep Dairy Queen in business. I'm just telling you, it's my favorite. I know I like custard and all that stuff too, but Dairy Queen, it's just simple. I can tell you which places give the bigger cones. This is true, they're not all the same. Not all Dairy Queens are alike. Do not get in that trap, I'm just telling you. I can tell you what they charge. I cannot tell you what the price of a gallon of milk is, but I can tell you what it costs to get an ice cream cone in all three sizes of Dairy Queen. I just, with tax, I'm good at this. And here's, here's what I like. So I just like a standard cone, like the old cake cones, like I'm a kid. And you have two types of people that do ice cream. You have the person that really doesn't care. And I don't know why they're in that job. I just don't know. If I was a manager, I would just say, get out of the way, 
You need to go do something else with your life, but you are not, you, you are not an artiste when it comes to making these ice cream. There is a science to this. The key is this, is that it needs to be as full inside the cone as it is on top of the cone. Amen? There is nothing worse. There are a few things, but very few things that are worse than getting to the end of a, of a cone. And there's just dried cake, no ice cream. You know what I'm talking about? That person should be fired. They should never be allowed to work in the ice cream industry ever again. I'm just telling you. Even custard, they're not, they're not worthy of frozen yogurt. Can I just be honest with you? What's good is, man, when they get that ice cream all the way down in the bottom and they give you one little extra dollop on top, you know what I'm saying? Because Dairy Queen has to have that little squiggly on the top. So, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm getting excited right now. Just think about this. So this is what it means. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Not only is that ice cream cone going to look good and be good, but when you get into the cup, into the cake, into the cone, it's going to be all the way there to the end. God's not just someone that's going to put on the window dressing for you and make it look good. He's going to take care of you in areas and ways that no one else sees and only you know. Woo, don't shout me down when I preach again. I just made Dairy Queen spiritual. Can I get a witness? <laughs> This is why God is a God of multiplication. Again, if you give him time, he multiplies it. If you give him your talent, he multiplies it. If you give him your treasure, he multiplies it. In the Old Testament, Malachi the prophet says it this way. This is speaking on the words of the Lord. Bring your full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. The only place in scripture you can test God is when it comes to money. Isn't that interesting? And see if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Ice cream all the way to the bottom of the cup. That's how God works. And the reason why I'm saying this is because some of us are fearful that if I really, if I go from, I'm an economic atheist, I'm an economic atheist, and, and if I really trust God in this particular area of my life, I'm, it's gonna look good on top, but it's gonna be empty when no one else sees it. And I'm just telling you, it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we will always receive more than what we give. When it comes to God, you will always receive more than what you give. I know I'm almost out of time. I didn't have this in my notes, but let me tell you this. I'll never forget 19 years ago, almost, when God asked Tammy and I to move from Tulsa, Oklahoma, two kids from the South, to go to the upper Midwest, to Wisconsin. God was not trying to keep me. God was not trying to withhold blessing from me. God wanted to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon my life so great I didn't have room enough to contain it. And when I look back over the 19 years, I talk to people all the time that live in the upper Midwest that are trying to get back to where I grew up, to retire, to get to warmer weather, to get to whatever. And you ask me, I'm real happy. I don't need to go back to warmer weather because here's what I have found. Wherever I go, God blesses me. If I go to the north, he blesses me. If I go to the south, he blesses me. If I go to the west, he blesses me. If I go to the east, he blesses me. If I'm in the desert, he blesses me. If I'm in the mountaintop, he blesses me. If I'm on the, if I'm, if I'm on the lakeside, he blesses me. Amen? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the Packers are having a winning season or a losing season. God still blesses me. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what happens in the economy. God still blesses. And what I have looked at and what I have learned is over the last 19 years that when God asked me to leave everything that I knew 
and everything that was comfortable in my life. It was not to withhold. It was not to drought my life. It was not to gut my life. It was to bring me to a place where he could open up the windows of heaven and pour a blessing upon me so great. There was no way 19 years ago I had any clue what he wanted to do. Amen. And that's what he wants to do in your life. But the question is, will you trust him? Will you, palms up, or are you going to be like a three-year-old go, no, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Are you not hurting anybody but you? Because I'm telling you, you will never give more of yourself that God won't outgive you. It's impossible. It's theologically not even possible. And I understand you go, hey, one plus one equals two. I get all this. I don't know how that I can honor God with 10% and I can give of my time, my talent, my treasure, and yet he blesses it. But he does. But he's God and I'm not God. And I can't explain a lot of things. I can't even explain how you flip the light switch on and lights come on. But they happen every single time. So here's what I know. I don't have to understand how it works for it to work. I just got to do what I'm supposed to do. Woo, man, I'm preaching good today. Okay, third thing, then I'm gonna land the plane. We determine how much we will receive. We determine how much we'll receive. You determine how much you receive. Go back to verse 38. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. If you operate with generosity, God's gonna bless you generously. If you operate stingily, I made that word up. Make sure you give me credit when you use it. That's exactly how God's going to give back to you. If you only praise God when it's good, that's only what's going to happen. But if you walk with them through the, through, through the highs and through the lows, if, if you trust him in the good and the bad, if you lean not to your own understanding, but you acknowledge him in all your ways, he will guide and direct your path. See, God's placed the seed in your hands and you get to determine how you're going to sow it. Not God. You determine what you're going to do with your life. You determine what you're going to do with your money. You determine, and you go, well, no, man, I've got bills. But how'd you get those bills? You made decisions. You, you made a decision not to do this. You made a decision to do that. You, didn't decision. you made decisions. But you have seed. You have the opportunity. It's in your hand. And here's what I'm trying to say is, too, is God's not trying to control you. God does not want to control you. God wanted to control you. He could control you. Listen, if he's really God, he can do anything he wants to do, right? But God gives you and I free moral choice. God wants us to love him because we choose to love him, not because we have to. God wants us to serve him because we choose to serve him, not because we have to. God wants us to trust him because we choose to trust him, not because we have to. And when I take whatever I have in my hand and I put it in his hand and I trust his word, that's what I'm, I'm sowing and I'm believing. And I'm not just talking about money here. I'm talking about my life. I've just realized and I've learned that I cannot outgive God. I get to determine what I do. 
I get to determine where I spend my time. I could have told God 19 years ago, Tammy and I could have said, no, we, that's not comfortable for us there. I've never understood people that make decisions in geography over weather. Makes no sense to me. I mean, I, I like sunny in 75, don't get me wrong, but, but the reality is, is that's, not, that's not the major determining factor in my life. Money, money is a terrible taskmaster. Talk to anybody who has money and they will tell you the worst thing you can do with your life is make decisions based upon money. It's part of the equation, but it's not the base reason. Comfort, we, we, we all like comfort, but no. So in my world, I just go, God, I wanna make sure that I do everything that I do. I'm not gonna be perfect, but I do it to the very best of my ability to glorify you because I want to stand before you and I want you to call me by name and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I've been asking guys, people that I know, leaders, men in my, in my life, what, what is it to you? Define success. How do you define success? And over and over, here are the common denominators. I want to do what God asked me to do, where he asked me to do it, to the best of my ability. Success is not about, did I write a New York Times bestselling book? Success is not about, did I hit a certain, certain level or profile of money? Success is not about, did I, I, I have, grow the organization to a particular size? It's not about outputs. I don't control outputs. I only control inputs. That's what Jesus talks about over and over and over. Quit worrying about the outputs. Quit worrying about the end result. Trust me on the front end. Trust me on the inputs. If you don't condemn other people, you won't find yourself being condemned. If you don't judge others, you won't find yourself being judged. If, if, if you offer, if, if, you, if you don't withhold forgiveness, then forgiveness won't be withheld from you. And, and if you don't hoard up and you, and you will give and you will trust, then guess what? I'll open up the windows of heaven and I'll pour out a blessing upon you so great you don't have room enough to contain it. John Lewis, excuse me, James Lewis, James Lewis was born on December 11th, 1874 in Stevensville, Ontario, Canada. In 1902, James immigrated from Canada to Buffalo, New York, and he took a position as a secretary treasurer of the Shefford Cheese Company. 1903, he became a partner in that company, but the partners abruptly dissolved his partnership, aka they fired him, while he was on a business trip in Chicago. While stranded in Chicago, James Lewis used his remaining $65 to rent a horse, which he called Patty, and a wagon and establish his own business of buying cheese wholesale and selling it to local grocers in Chicago. A year later, he would write a friend and say this, quote, I haven't got a comparatively large business now, but I know what I can do. And in less than five years, I am honest in saying I expect to have one of the best wholesale cheese businesses in the city. Unfortunately, his business began to falter. And at the end of his rope in 1907, James Lewis decided to, in his own words, make God a partner in his business. He'd later recount this story and say this, after a very unsuccessful day, I had a conversation with Patty, my horse. <laughs> it's funny the things you talk to, right? When you're, when you're, it's just you, you're down. And I remarked to my horse that I needed a business partner and being raised in a faithful Christian family, I realized that I needed to re reorganize my priorities and I needed to seek first the kingdom of God. 
and then all that I needed would be provided. So I decided to give 25% of my personal profits to the Lord and my offerings. Things began to turn around in a very big way for me. And I made Jesus Christ my business partner. Later in life, he made this statement. The only investment I ever made, which has paid consistently increasingly dividends, is the money that I've given to the Lord. In 1914, James Lewis would open his first cheese manufacturing plant in Stockton, Illinois. In 1916, James developed a patented process for pasteurizing cheese so it would resist spoiling and could be shipped long distances. James Lewis's last name is Kraft. And much like my bologna has a first name, it's O-S-C-A-R, my cheese has a last name, it's K-R-A-F-T. And as Paul Harvey would say, that's the rest of the story. You can't outgive God. I'm gonna ask you to just take a moment today as we close. Any of the campuses, just a moment. At those campuses, the bands are gonna come up and the worship team, and they're, they're gonna do one last song. And I'm gonna ask you to ask yourself a question because this is, the Bible's real clear about this. This is not my business. This is between you and the Lord. But for you to ask yourself, hey, am, am I an economic atheist? Am I someone who would, if asked, would say, yeah, man, I trust God. I, I give it in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm going to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the virgin birth. I, I believe that, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. I, I believe in him. But if you look at my giving of my time or my talent or my treasure, you wouldn't believe any of that that I just said. And the reason why I ask you to ask yourself this is this, it's not my business. It's between you and the Lord. What you do and how you give of yourself is between you and the Lord. It's a sacred trust. It's a personal decision, much like your decision to follow Jesus. And I think the truth of the matter is that there's a lot of us that if we're really honest with ourselves, if we just look and say, man, I'm really not trusting in the full counsel of what God's word says when it comes to giving. I'm not doing a special offering today. <laughs> I'm not, this is not some setup for some something. But I truly believe if we wanna live the life that God called us to live, if we wanna live with fullness, we wanna live with generosity, if we wanna have and be all that God wants us to be, I think it begins right here in our hearts and it flows out of my heart into decisions. Would you bow your heads with me all over at every campus as we pray today? Father, I thank you today that you love us enough that you tell us the truth. Jesus, I thank, that, thank you that you don't just make this a spiritual issue, but it's a holistic issue. It's not just about the sweet by and by, it's about the here and the now. And I just ask that in these next few moments, as we quiet our hearts and we reflect and we ask of ourselves, how is my giving when it comes to my time unto the Lord? How is my giving when it comes to my talent, what God's blessed me with, the abilities that he's given me when it comes to the Lord? How is it with my giving, my finances, my treasure when it comes to the Lord? 
Could someone look at my life and based on the measure of what I give, not the amount, but in perspective of the life that I've been given, am I doing all that I can do? Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. You're the one that always points us to truth, John's gospel says. You're the one that comforts us. This is not a guilt or condemnation because there are many of us that are, but there are many of us that aren't. Help us today as we examine our own hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.